You are listening to the Super Freak Media Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please be sure to show your support and follow us on our other social media platforms. Check out the links listed in the description of this episode to find out more. Thank you. And oh, then, obviously, in 99, you get like a massive CGI fist <laughs> bashing through the door. I mean, just, yeah. uh, we don't is... want a breathing door. Oh, just do something bigger. Yeah, some <laughs> giant fisting fashion from the nursery door. I never thought we'd get onto fisting with uh, Hill House, yeah. but there, I there we are. Creeping in. I was trying to get creeping in. I was going to bring it up as soon as I saw Craig, so. <laughs> uh... And welcome to the Bear Queer Podcast, the podcast where two homos called Liam decide to go to a big fat house, look for some queer stuff and get scared along the way. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Speak very you, convincing. Kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. Ha! Ah! Ah! Ha! I'm acting. What can I say? I'm very impressed. <laughs> So this month, we are joined by a very special guest, the one and only Craig Fisher. Hi, Craig. Hi, Liam. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. So Craig's agreed to join us as we <laughs> discover all things Hill House. We're going to look at the haunting, the 1963 classic. We're going to be then looking at the haunting 1999. Briefly. Uh, and then we'll be looking at Mike Flanagan's masterpiece, The Haunting of the Hill House 2018. But the main focus will be on the 1963 film. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, we'll give we'll give the book a shout out, but just be patient with that one. So <laughs> Amazing. I'm really looking forward to this episode. Thank you so much, Craig, for agreeing to come on. I know we've, we've definitely got to have an episode, I think, where we discuss some 80s camp slasher films. At some point. Oh, absolutely. But absolutely. I think this is a good start. We'll, we'll ease you into it. We'll ease you into it. <laughs> ease me in by the back door of the 60s. <laughs> What's your profanity? I mean, you said it. That's that's it. Quote of the podcast right there. Cool. Are we done now then? <laughs> that, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'm excited to to kick this off. For a long time, I think when we compiled a list of like films we wanted to cover, Liam, we this was always on the list as like yeah, yeah. something we wanted to dive into. This is a bit different for us because this is more of an old school ooky spooky episode. Mm. But I'm so excited, and I will say I was I've actually had a whale of a time like watching these films and the series yeah. and seeing these threads pulled through all three adaptations of, of, of the book. So if we're wanting to kind of kick stuff off, I know that we usually have a bit of a and a with our guest. So I'm wanting to find out a bit more about you, Craig, because I suppose I've I feel like I've known you for a little bit. It's been a minute on Instagram. Yeah, um, yeah. We've spoken to each other, like known maybe a little bit about each other's work. But you're an incredibly talented filmmaker who specialises in like horror and queer themed films, I'd say. How did you How did you get into that then? How did that all start for you? Well, started, I mean, probably since I was a little kid, having watched horror through my whole life. I always knew I wanted to be a filmmaker and I did the usual thing. Did major in college, film and TV in university, and then when university finished, I just fell into uh, a boring job and worked 70 hour a week to pay for my rent and bills. And I didn't actually do any work. I'd always called myself a wannabe filmmaker, but never actually uh, 
made any films until about 10 years ago where I made my first short for the help of some friends mm-hmm. and through working on the first short you get to meet more people you get to learn a lot of things and then yeah just been bashing out some short short horrors since then over the past 10 years I mean I'm I'm a huge fan uh, of, of your work I mean I think that's obviously oh, how I uh, likewise obviously <laughs> <laughs> thank you I think that's obviously how I, I came to, to to know about you and um, that and also some of the pictures you post on your Instagram are certainly uh... ah, no! <laughs> oh, what do you mean what do you mean what are you talking about well I don't know so they pull back... you in they're very inviting they're all film, they're all film posters they're all film horror Absolutely. posters and reviews, so and reviews. speaking of um, <laughs> speaking of pulling that does lead me on to my question to you Craig um, what's it like being an attractive person <laughs> <laughs> i would also like to know <laughs> i'm not sure you'll have to ask the guy behind me <laughs> <laughs> big big fan of, uh, of of your work and your instagram apparently so um nicely so. done but all I'd kind of ask then is, with you kind of studying film, because I mean that was something I, I definitely wanted to know about, because I know it's different for everyone how they get into it. What was it then that made you take the leap then and go, do you know what I am going to become a filmmaker now and I am going to do this? Well, I was so the job I was doing is um, in pub management, and honestly, when I say seventy hour weeks, they were seventy hour weeks, <laughs> and I was just getting uh, just getting fed up a bit. So then I decided to go back to uni to do a masters. So I so I moved away from management. I just went to Bar Monkey instead. Um, so it's less hours mm-hmm. and then I went started my film masters film masters are very expensive so I applied for lots of different loans and once I started my masters and then found out I couldn't get any of these loans so I can continue with the course oh no but I was there long enough to um, meet some people who were making some short films mm-hmm. and I went and helped them yeah and then from helping them they returned the favor and helped me make my first short film i mean i will definitely say i've I've obviously i checked out your youtube like i think when i first came across your work uh, and wanted to see kind of what else you're up to but i've definitely revisited it again in prep for for this episode and um i, I do know i mean the midnight gesture is, is one that i really like mm. i think it's a really nicely put together short film uh, i think the cinematography is gorgeous as well also you, you have the festive short film that you did a christmas nightmare a christmas yeah. nightmare i definitely feel gives off creep show vibes i absolutely love absolutely love yeah that, that, that was one. my uh i wanted to pay homage to i mean it didn't start off like that um the script didn't mm-hmm. um because i co-wrote the script with a friend of mine which is the first time i'd actually co-written anything with somebody okay and it was just the, the horror story but in creating um the actual christmas nightmare film i wanted to add some creep show elements because i knew the kind of monster i wanted to feature in the film and then obviously the beginning of the film you've got the the opening credits mm-hmm. well the animation yeah, yeah. yeah um so all these things were kind of added in as per my love of creep show and during that time i think that was when the first season of creep show was coming out yeah okay. um so there yeah, it just um inspired me to add blemishes of creep show into my film I, th- I think it's wonderful and i mean aside from obviously the films you make i know that you you deliver some really great reviews as well um through your through your instagram and i um i will say i i really do trust your opinion on a lot of stuff i've checked out a good few films based on your recommendations and um, yeah, um i mean is the film theory side of stuff equally as exciting then for you as the just i don't know making films or just watching do you like to get into that side of stuff um, not, I mean, I wouldn't say so much theory. The, my reviews are basically just my my thoughts. <laughs> Your rambling, just my thoughts, just my ramblings on the film. Because I do, I do some writing reviews for um, Hooked on Horror, mm-hmm. and usually they're um, longer reviews, a bit more in depth, and theory comes into it a bit more. Because obviously, if you've got a bigger audience, mm-hmm. you kind of need to cater to that. 
um but the ones on my instagram are mainly just yeah just my ram- ramblings and a lot of people who do follow me on instagram kind of know know me a little bit in regards to my humor and things like that so yeah. it's kind of a safe space to kind of just if i want to bitch about something <laughs> not a scene in the film, or if i want to just be very complimentary about something um yeah it's 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 something a, a little less restraint than when i'm writing for hooks and horror because yeah. it can be a bit more me yeah, I suppose it keeps it fun and light, doesn't it? And like you said, yeah. let's you just say what you feel about stuff. I know you um, you posted about Uma recently, which I recently checked oh. out. And I think <laughs> your review was, it was definitely a Sony horror movie. And I was like, yes. I couldn't have said it better. Sam Raimi production, Sony, <laughs> like, you know, everything about it. And I mean, to be fair, it was on par with what I was expecting mm. um, based on the, the as, producers and the people involved. It. Yeah, and I'm so sad because Sandra O oh absolutely loves Sandra yeah, that's, that's O, and like, that film did her dirty. That's what disappointed me about it. I mean, like I'll watch anything that Sandra O oh is in. Mm-hmm. I, if if Sandra O oh released a video of her sitting in a room staring at a blank wall, <laughs> I'd I'd watch it. Probably better than Uma. And then it would probably <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's such a shame because you've got like a powerhouse of an actor there mm-hmm. and it was just it to me as well i when i finished watching it i was like i don't i don't actually know what i've just sat through i no, don't, I don't. Sat through something bland and generic mm. i don't i don't know what it was trying to be I don't, it took no yeah. risks it didn't do anything yeah i didn't think we we were able to have these kind of films anymore you know we've kind of surpassed you know we've got we've gone through elevated horror we've gone through bringing back old school 80s horror films like the halloween and all that mm. so we've got to a certain level with horror that i'm surprised that this film got ticked off and i'm surprised that i don't know we allowed it to happen really <laughs> yeah it is it is uh it is a shame because i think it it did have quite a lot of promise uh kind of offering maybe something new and, and dabbling back into asian horror a little bit but um, unfortunately yeah it wasn't but it also kind of felt like it was just a film that should have come out in the early 2000s Absolutely. during all the Asian horror films. Absolutely. I mean, this is a big question, definitely obviously putting you on the spot. Is there a certain film that you hold up more than any other in terms of in the genre? Is that, do you have a favourite or, or one that sticks with I mean, you? I mean, I have a, I have a bunch of favourites. I probably have like five top favourites in each subgenre of the horror. Um, just off the top of my head, um, I would say Poltergeist, Creepshow, Fright Night, uh, tends to be all 80s based yeah. um, all films that I grew up watching uh, like Poltergeist is one of my absolute favourite films so much so that I'm going to be getting a Poltergeist tattoo hopefully this year because I'm turning 40 this year and Poltergeist no. is celebrating his 40th anniversary <laughs> <laughs> celebrating his 40th anniversary so I'm like yeah I'm, I'm I'm like, oh, it's Poltergeist, so I'm going to tattoo. As long as it's Tangina just saying, don't go into the light, just, just put the pod. <laughs> <laughs> this, this house is clean. Just on the taint. <laughs> this house is clean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got the first person to say I should do that. <laughs> well, well I'll, pre- I'll prepare the area. It's all good. I'll prepare the area. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. But I, I suppose, speaking about ghosts, shall we, shall we dive on into the the meat of the episode yes. as you like to refer to it Liam every episode you say meat <laughs> do I it, it's yeah. maybe like it's always it's always on my mind that's why absolutely so obviously we, we got together and we said that we were going to do this episode had either mm. of you seen the original haunting film before this I, I realised I thought I hadn't but I had okay. when I've been like rewatching it again I realised I had and I watched it when I was a kid 
not like not young i must have been around well young I must have been like 13 14 and i i used to like be a quite a gothy teenager and i hung around with some quite hey. gothy people and they um <laughs> they were the like they were the people who really helped to expand um my horror love because everything i knew at the time was quite I hate to use the word mainstream, but it was quite mainstream. <laughs> and they they were like, oh, you, everything you watch is all like bright, bloody, gory and all this. I was like, yeah, well, that's that's what I like. And then <laughs> they're the ones who showed me Bride of Frankenstein for the first time, oh, which lovely. which changed my life. <laughs> but then they were like, oh, you need to watch, you need to watch this because obviously you love gay shit. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was, expect, I was expecting, uh, when I first watched it, I was expecting it to be like, the gayest like 60s thing in the world and obviously it was a lot it was like it's the most subtle horror film i've ever watched mm. um but that's 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 exactly what i loved about it so from there i read the book in about 2017 when it was announced that um the tv show was being going to be made yeah um so i read the book then uh, i've read it since um in fact i was stayed up last night reading it because i couldn't sleep but um, <laughs> definitely the antidote for that. Just just read a ghost story, you'll be fine. <laughs> I always I always get confused when I talk about it, and I've had this conversation with you before. But the year the book came out, mm. the haunting, no, the house on there's haunted, so many houses on hills that the are house haunted. On haunted yeah. Hill came out, but then when the haunting came out mm-hmm. in 1999. There was also a remake of the House yeah. on Haunted Hill, and then Haunted. Mm. I get them all confused, so I'm I'm glad we've done this episode, so I can <laughs> just now to clarify, differentiate between them all. <laughs> and I always get thirteen ghosts stuck in there as well. Yeah. Like, that always just ends up coming in, um, and that's got bugger all to do with it. It's just a house um, <laughs> with ghosts. But, but yeah, um, so I've I really enjoy it. I do have a a standout favourite from all four mediums of what's come out, but I have mm-hmm. found a newfound love for the 1999 film. Okay. Um, but I'll explain more on that in a bit because <laughs> I, have, I have notes. It needs its moment. Absolutely. <laughs> it does. Um, what about you, Craig? So had you, had you seen the original before we, we decided to get together? Yes. Um, it's one of my top uh, supernatural films. It's up there with Poltergeist, The Changeling mm-hmm. and The Conjuring. Nice. Um, always been a favorite i think i was trying to rack my brain last night as to when i first watched it i'm not sure entirely because mm. i have a very bad memory but i think i might have watched it when i was doing my film course in university um so it would have been like uh 2000s or so early 2000s um and i think we were shown the film as we were talking about uh, mise-en-scene and camera angles enjoyed that straight away and this vastly became uh, like a favorite of mine mm-hmm. so much so this is why back in 99 i absolutely hated the remake mm-hmm. um because i held the 63 one with such high regards yes yeah um and yeah i mean i've grown to love aspects of the 99 version since mm-hmm. um yeah but yeah, so I think, you know, I think it was university or maybe college, possibly college, because that makes more sense in, in the timeline. <laughs> um, yeah, I think college. I think it's funny oh. that you, you mentioned the films like The Changeling and The Conjuring, because I think that those films existed because the, of The Haunting. I think this, this yeah. film walked yeah, so that these, those other films could run because it's such an exercise in atmosphere. I mean, I, I have no qualms in saying I'd seen a lot of clips from the film and I think similar to you, I'd encountered it when we'd done uh, elements of horror and mise-en-scene and stuff when I was studying because it is such a, 
I don't know, it's a film that you hold up as like an example for all of these elements. Yes. Um, but this was the first time I actually sat down and watched the original all the way through, uh, this week. And I was, I was blown away. I absolutely like the, it's fast become one of my like favorite old school mm. supernatural films to check out. And I know I'll watch it again and again for sure. Uh, I come from a different world than you two, so I'm not a filmmaker. I've been involved with lots of films. Um, I'm the, I'm usually either in them begrudgingly because <laughs> I, d- I don't like to, I don't like to act anymore. Or You're a I like great to actor, ra- though. Uh, I, I don't like it though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a I good never, time. I never have. To, I've have never enjoyed that. No, I just it's surprising. Like, it's something I'll I'll do for a laugh. But yeah, um, but. Obviously, from the writing side of things is where I like to come into it. I really love this adaptation. I really love when a book gets adapted and more so when it's further adapted so you can see the changes. But obviously, yes. with this this was only released five, four, four or five years after the yeah. book's initial release. So the world didn't have its chance to have its horrible, dirty effect <laughs> on it. But anyway, going to camera angle that keeps st- sticking out to me. When I think of this film now, all I'm going to think, and it's quite early on in the film, when they first go to the spiral staircase mm. and Nell's walking up the stairs. And this just, no, it's not Nell. It's the, um, what's her name? The companion. That's all she gets called at the beginning. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. In the, in the epilogue. And she's walking up mm. the stairs and just the camera's on her face. And I was thinking, it's like, it was such a cool shot because like, watching films up from the 60s that's not really something i'd seen before mm. of that era she was acting her absolute <laughs> off. she was incredible <laughs> the acting in this film is phenomenal i, I mean mm. i think yes. there's a lot if not melodramatic as well <laughs> oh absolutely but we we live for the drama so we're fine yeah there's so much that stands up to this day like like you said the camera work the performances the writing is is spot on mm-hmm. and i mean i was going to ask you uh, liam and i don't know if, if you've obviously read the book as well craig but does it stay no, quite kind of truthful to the, the it, book it it does it is of the adaptations it is the most faithful okay. um there are there are a lot of moments that are changed as mm-hmm. as it is with everything and there are certain character beats that are a little bit different yeah the way that the film actually does the book justice because if you read the book it's really nice because when you watch the film it expands on a lot of character beats that are more like toned down in the book like mm-hmm. um I'll get into like we're going to have a whole section at some point on Theo, mm-hmm. um, but and yeah. definitely in terms of Theo, Theo has benefited more from being on screen. Yeah, uh, from the book. I mean, she's incredible in the book, but even more so, especially oh god, especially in the '63 film, her yeah. introduction. But it's not. <laughs> we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Sorry. I mean, I just want to talk about lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's why we, well, we've done episode, this episode. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Giving an overview then of of the the story, or at least obviously the story is. It's presented in the 63 uh, original. We have uh, Eleanor played by Julie Harris, who seems to be this lost soul after her mother's passed away. She's living with her remaining family, um, obviously not really knowing who she is anymore. Her identity has been given over to being a caretaker almost at this point. So she then sees this this experiment that's taking place that's being held by Dr. John Markway, uh, played by Richard Johnson, is... I mean, she refers to it as a vacation several times through this film. And I'm like, if this is your idea of a vacation, <laughs> I have no idea. Thought, oh, my God. I mean, it's a stunning location. I would love to vacation there. To be I know, but that's oh, nice, so nice weekend in that house. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this this poor woman, she's like, she just wants to get away from it all. I mean, yeah, yeah. She, she goes there. She's absolutely blown away by the house. We get this wonderful introduction 
by Mrs. Dudley, who's played by Rosalie Crutchley. And I mean, I think we need a moment just to talk about Mrs. Dudley in this first film because <laughs> <laughs> she's oh, probably the creepiest God. thing about it. I had dinner on the dining room sideboard. Where's Mark? Where? I thought he'd have been here before anyone else. You serve yourselves. I'll clear up in the morning. Have you known Dr. Mark when I have um, breakfast ready at nine. No, I've never met him. I don't stay after six, not after it begins to get dark. My only contact with him has been our correspondence about the, uh, quote, experiment, unquote. I leave before the dark comes, so there won't be anyone around if you need help. No one can hear you if you scream in the night. Isn't that so, Mrs. Dudley? No one lives any nearer than time. No one will come any nearer than that. In the night. In the dark. In the night. In the dark. <laughs> in the dark. She's incredible. <laughs> She's, I've, I, I realise in every adaptation as well. They've done that, haven't they? Yeah. The riff on it. Well, yeah. they've done the riff on that, but Mrs. Dudley is like one of the gay icons in each, each one. We um, stand Mrs. In, Dudley. In the, in the 99 film, she's in it for like a minute or two. <laughs> and she's like chewing that fucking scenery up so much. She's got, she's got like a meat cleaver one bit, hasn't she? Then she's got like the shawl. She's just, yeah, she's everything. I set dinner on the dining room sideboard at six. You can serve yourselves. Breakfast is ready at nine. I don't wait on people. I don't stay after dinner, not after it begins to get dark. I leave before dark comes. We live in town, nine miles, so there won't be anyone around if you need help. We couldn't even hear you in the night. Why would we? No one could. No one lives any nearer than town. No one will come any nearer than that in the night, in the dark. But like you said, soon after Ellen has arrived at this house, we're then introduced to Theodora. Uh, just Theodora. We don't <laughs> learn much else about her. She's just Theodora, or affectionately known, Theo, who seems to strike up quite a... A, a nice friendship with Eleanor, I'd say, or Nell, pretty much straight off. And also, th- this whole experiment is being overseen by Luke Sanderson, who, yeah, was was kind of fine. Oh my god! You, <laughs> back in the day, you'd get the suck. Really much. Good god! <laughs> so. Essentially, yeah, they're, they're all staying in this house. The doctor's trying to study whether or not that it's haunted, if there's supernatural phenomenon going on, and. Ultimately, I suppose, what's consistent about all three adaptations, uh, film-wise or series-wise as well, um, Eleanor kind of succumbs to the, the 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 mystique or mysteries of this house mm-hmm. and the supernatural elements that are going on. They're all done very differently. Yeah. I think this this one, by far, is definitely like Nell's film. Um, yeah. I think the other ones, obviously, they do feature... Uh, her, obviously the character of Nell quite heavily, but I think particularly with the series, it branched off a lot more. The, the, the way that these characters are introduced or how they're related, uh, are completely different as well through each adaptation. Um, but with this first one, I really, really liked the setup of it. I thought it was, it was mm. great and it, it made sense to me, which. What I fell in love with immediately mm. is the minute that the lions disappeared uh the mgm lion it's like you immediately get some like narration yeah and i love a bit of narration scandal murder insanity suicide the history of hill house was ideal it had everything i wanted it was built 90 odd very odd years ago by a man named hugh crane as a home for his wife and daughter in the most remote part of New England he could find. It was an evil house from the beginning. A house that was born bad. (laughs) 
then we get that title card was sick. So sick. When the title card came in, it looked so good. It reminded me of the um, the sixties Doctor Who title card a little bit, mm. um, but with the effect that they used. But it oh, it just looked gorgeous, and then the the score was really nice, and then the just seeing like the backdrop of of Hill House and mm-hmm. yeah, we don't they, we don't get much of that anymore. We don't. I do like it when a film starts with titles. I really like yeah. something we don't get anymore. And some of the greatest like classic horror films have their opening titles, and it sets you up because you get you get so gassed from this like sweeping overture mm-hmm. and just this gorgeous little title. I mean, the minute that the haunting comes up, I can't imagine how shit scary the title card alone must have been in the sixties. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. It really well, this is what I love. This is one element that I love about the 99 version, the way they opened that film as well. It's very breathtaking. Yeah. Similar to the original, the, the sweeping over the house. Um, it's, it was very atmospheric. It, it, it leaned into the gothicness of yeah. the original film, and I was fully set up for this film. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then it went downhill. <laughs> I think what what all three adaptations do really really successfully is nail the location which i mean oh when you've literally God, got yeah. Yeah. the house especially the interior though oh, my sure. gripe with the series is you don't see enough of the exterior mm, um and okay. it's just kind of just pushed into the background and it's i think it's cgi <laughs> i think there's one yeah. scene you see the front of the house in the daylight um but yeah the 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 location of the of the original film and even the ninety nine version, the you know all these sweeping exteriors of the mm. of the house is fantastical. And mm. you don't get that with the series. The mm. interior of the series is is lovely. Is you know it's very well done, and the, uh-huh. the sets that they build is incredible. But there's just not enough of the exterior for me. And that, yeah, that made me a little bit sad. Well, that's um that's, that's like a fun fact about the sixty three film is a lot of the interior, a lot of the scenes, and a lot of the shots actually went on to then inspire the haunted mansion. Welcome. That does not surprise me at all. So, yeah, Yeah. um, they were really inspired by this film. So you'll see a lot of the nice shots of the interior and you can look at Haunted Mansion. If you watch the Disney Plus series, yeah, you can look at it and you'll see shots. You'll see like the original like drawings and illustrations you'll think oh yeah they've definitely pulled from the haunting i think that that was kind of what stood out to me was obviously i came to this film only just this week but you could clearly see that this film set the blueprint for like what a haunted house movie needed to be like Mm. with i don't know the the architecture the performances the statues Mm -hmm. the the lighting the cinematography the music everything it was it was all like laid out in this film so beautifully uh, and i mean it's it's probably important as well to say that this this film was directed by robert wise who also uh, directed west side story the sound of music and star trek the motion picture absolutely what a, <laughs> so, know, what a, back a resume <laughs> but also um one thing that's been really nice so i've never really looked into the like trivia or any behind the scenes stuff of any of these films before mm-hmm. but i wanted no, obviously to do my homework for this Every single person who's worked with Robert Wise has said he is an absolute delight to mm. work with. They've never had so much fun or felt so safe or felt so like... They've never felt so open to explore a role as an actor as they have when they've worked with him. And I think it really shows through in the films you've mentioned, but especially this, because mm. it's such an intimate cast as well. It's such a small cast. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, the, the performances are what pull you in, aren't they? And make it mm-hmm. believable, I suppose. I, I think we said, Liam, because we had a brief chat about, obviously, after watching this, I was surprised at just how scary it was. 
Like, yeah. I didn't Ooh. expect it to still get me as much as it did. I just well, thought it th- would have just yeah. been kooky, but it genuinely very tense for I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be brave but controversial. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? <laughs> and and <laughs> films of this era don't, I, I don't tend to be my favorite. I'm not a Hitchcock fan. <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate what, what, I appreciate stuff that is done. I appreciate, um, I appreciate Psycho for what it did. I've just never, it's just never been my cup of tea. I was in pure shock. I thought I might have misheard. And I was expecting it with this, especially going back into it as I haven't watched it in what, nearly 20 years. Hmm. I mean, if I'm being honest, I kind of got Hitchcockian vibes from it. Like, I did but feel like a, it was very... But... Yeah, especially in regards to the camera angles and yeah, things like that. You know, sure. we're talking about they're what... um, walking up the spiral staircase, and it's like, oh, and you've got... I can't remember the character's name, and he's walking up the staircase before he gets kind of stabbed in the face and falls backwards. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, for stairs. sure. That, that whole but sequence was pretty, yeah, pretty that's much... What... That's what was surprising mm. watching it now, considering that that's not my cup of tea when we when it comes to horror. Yeah, but how much I was actually like, I was actually if at some point so I was actually like, oh, this is getting really creepy. And I think one big use of that is like I've talked about this before, but I really like a subtle scare and mm. that f- bulging door. I found so to be terrifying, fantastic. absolutely yeah. terrifying. It did such a small thing, just slightly breathing, creaking of the door. And then obviously in 99, you get like a massive CGI fist <laughs> bashing through the door. I mean, just, yeah. you know, very, very common for a, a, a remake of that time. Yeah, absolutely. There's, uh, we there's... don't want a breathing door, just do something bigger. Yeah, it's some <laughs> giant fisting fashion from the nursery door. I never thought we'd get onto fisting with uh, Hill House, but there, I there we are. To creep it in. I always find a way to creep it in. <laughs> I was going to bring it up as soon as I saw Craig, so. Jesus. <laughs> ah, so sweet. Oh, my Lord. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think my only gripe that I had uh, with the original um, film was I just felt like the ending was very sudden. Like, I did feel like it was going to end in a tragedy of some sort. And I mean, I think, again, this is kind of a common thing with all of the adaptations. They are ultimately, I think supernatural tragedies of, of some sort yeah, yeah. um absolutely but it was very much like trust a woman to point a car at a tray and oh that's it God. she's dead but i, what, I think that what? was the only thing that kind of turned me off a little bit but it was the same uh, yeah it oh seemed quite sudden because it seemed to be like get going you know she was in the car you had um the doctor's wife running around on the grounds and it exactly. seemed like it was building up to something yeah and then all of a sudden she just one thing that this film reminded me of something we don't see much anymore is we don't see smoking in films as much anymore and mm. every scene somebody had a fag on in this and that was my one of my favorite character introductions was this was mrs sanderson yes queen yes oh my Harry's god legend her first scene was just there she's there with a fag and you just walk in and she's chain smoking and she's just <laughs> giving a grimace and she's she had like, the best I'm... hairstyle as well yeah and she's <laughs> like she screams money as well i want to i want to be her <laughs> i actually wrote down the word while we one thing that um so as many times as this has been 
adapted there are certain elements that pull through each time mm-hmm. each time we get some sort of like however you want to read through it but the relationship between nell theo and luke is always strong the spiral staircase appears yeah. in everyone and i've got to say that woman who offs herself at the beginning after she's climbed the spiral staircase so would i that looks horrible it's horrible. trying to walk Absolutely. up that I, I was mean, out of breath watching her. I got um, Omen <laughs> vibes from that, you know, when she was swinging and then her her limbs oh, just yes. flew off. I was like, oh, that's that's horrid. So for you, Damien. <laughs> this is it, though. Like, there's so many things that have obviously been inspired by this film. Yeah, like, it absolutely. was yeah. crazy to see. Um, I mean, like the shots with the mirrors as well. Like, I was, I will say, I did get quite distracted looking to see if I could see cameraman. See a camera, the yeah. <laughs> but it's so well done. Um, the, the shot where Nell runs at the circular mirror and then the camera pulls yeah. back and you see it was a reflection, but it just looked like a distorted corridor to begin mm-hmm. with. It's, yeah. Oh my God, it's masterful. It's, I mean, I wish films were made like this uh, again. Um, I've, yeah, in so I've, many ways. The, the one thing that I've written um, down is saying how much I forgot how much I miss practicality in films. Mm. And it's, I don't, I don't mind CG. I don't shit on CG when it's done well and it's, you know, and it fits in and it's not, you've not got that Not the haunting line. 99 then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but when it's like, when it's it just feels so much more like it always scares me more or it always has much more of an impact on me mm-hmm. what as an audience member to watch something when it's practical but also like for the actors as well as an actor I've, oh god i, I don't want to sound pretentious because i'm not <laughs> oh helen is the But That's obviously, a thespian. <laughs> well, we'll get on to the thespians later. Um, but you want something to react off of. Like, mm. like when I filmed with you before, Liam, we filmed in some creepy locations. This was professional, we- by the way, Craig, just to yeah, let you yeah. know. This, yeah, this wasn't yeah. blue okay. movies. <laughs> when we did um when we did All Hallows Evil, we were in some like abandoned warehouse. Um, and obviously <laughs> the creepiness of that gave me something to play with. And then yeah. when we did, I, other, when we, oh, then it, there's one film where I got my face ripped off and we were in your Is that the Grindhouse one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. Phenomenal acting. <laughs> well done, Liam. <laughs> Thank you. Nice and done. But um, even then, just having like a set around me that felt lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that one was a house, mm-hmm. so of course it felt lived in. But um, yeah. <laughs> but I, like, I think... The fifth, like the fifth main character in every one of these, is always the house. The yes, house yeah. is always like a, a main character of itself, and even more so in '63, I mm-hmm. think, because I found myself when I was watching it just looking at little bits in the background, and it was just like there was just bits that I was picking up on, and I was expecting something scary to be happening in the background, but then I remembered it's it's '63. They weren't. Yeah, it, it's no. I, my mind was going like where they take it now if they were doing yeah. the scene like yeah, i was thinking like oh that there'd doing. definitely be something in the background there or, or mm-hmm. i don't know there'd be a jump scare well i mean you say that but then we have had a, a now version of the series mm-hmm. and you know that 
you were talking about being scared with you know uh, camera angles and practicality and things like that mm. and great filmmaking. And I think that's what's so fantastic about the series as well is it's phenomenal filmmaking. Like sure. I'm not sure which episode six or seven where there's like a 15 minute continuous um, yeah tape. the two storms and then episode, yeah. and then it's yeah and then there's um, and the statues. And moving mm-hmm. and all the ghosts the in the walk into one and, and then out into into the other room and then the, and then the statues moved like you know that's great filmmaking you know mm-hmm. you didn't need cgi just a i think he was playing homage to the 60s version yeah to sure. keep it subtle keep it practical the majority of it yeah and um and to adhere to great writing and great filmmaking just like oh, the 60s version. i mm-hmm. i do want to address the lesbian in the room <laughs> and I do want to talk about Theo. One of the main reasons why I was excited to watch this again is obviously if you look up any, if you want to look up any list anywhere that somebody has like queer horror films, you should check out The Haunting 63 always makes mm. its way on there. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to, you know, I'm gay for a living. <laughs> I really am. Aren't we like, all? Get that coin. My... my <laughs> So, but one thing that I love is um, obviously I work with queer youth, and a lot of them are just like, "Oh, I really wanted to get into horror, and I want to watch gay stuff. What can I watch?" And I was like, "I'm going to have to really analyze this for me mm. to be able to turn around." And, mm. and I would like the, although it's not explicit in it in the way that it portrays Theo as a lesbian. Um, there's no denying, I think, unless you are, you know, deprived of all senses, um, <laughs> and I think. What was really cool was I found out that there was actually a scene cut mm. um, that would have made it more explicit where... Oh, the, the apartment scene. Yeah, so there would have been a scene with Theo in an apartment um, with a lipstick message on the mirror, which predates Drag Race. Drag by. Race, absolutely. And it just says something like, I hate you. And yes, she is a bitch. B-I-C-T-H. In that order. Um, and obviously it's very implied that a woman has written that because it's in lipstick Mm -hmm. and you know and but going back to the 63 film the way that it addresses it's all through dialogue and through the um, through is it claire bloom yeah so yeah claire bloom's playing theodora in this adaptation it's all through claire bloom's performance as well um which to me she was the standout to me i think she's spoken quite fondly as well of getting to play a lesbian so early on in the uh in, in the in the days of film, I suppose I, I didn't realise as well. She also was in Clash of the Titans, which is another film that I absolutely love. So Same. I was just like, "You're just going up in my icon status right here." <laughs> yeah, I've not read the book, um, but I when I've done reading on this, it's always said that it's implied in the book that she is a lesbian, but in the film, the first adaptation, it is a lot more. Yeah, kind of obvious that that's mm. what that is. Obviously, you have the scene where she's talking to Eleanor about living with a woman them not being married and her living kind of on her own, having her own apartment, that sort of thing. And I think even Eleanor kind of turning around to her and not saying that her being a lesbian is a bad thing, but saying, well, you know, you're a natural. Leave me alone. Stop trying to be the centre of attention, Nell. Come inside. You revolt me. Well, can't you take a joke? I didn't know you were serious about Marquay. Of course you did. Okay. But he shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. Get away with what? You're making a fool of yourself over him. Suppose I'm not, though. You'd mind terribly if you turned out to be wrong for once, wouldn't you? Oh, you poor, stupid innocent. I'd rather be innocent than like you. Meaning what? Now who's being stupid and innocent? 
You know perfectly well what I mean. Is this another of your crazy hallucinations? I'm not crazy. Crazy as a loon. You really expect me to believe you're sane and the rest of the world is mad. Well, why not? The world is full of inconsistencies. Unnatural things. Nature's mistakes, they're called. You, for instance. I think yeah. that there are elements of it, and I think particularly maybe the language of the day, that would have been something yeah. that would have been well, more one, recognizable. Speaking, speaking of language, um, there's the one of the very early scenes in the film where they're all sat around the dining room table, and they're all like introducing and talking and gassing themselves up. And Nell makes a toast um, to having new companions, and Theo looks her dead in the eye and says, "Excellent, my new companion." singular <laughs> and she's got full on like flirty eyes on but that's what she does throughout the whole of the film if you look at the way that Theo looks at any other character in mm-hmm. this film the way that the tonal shift in her and her facial expression when she looks at Nell mm-hmm. is so different mm-hmm. and the scenes where she's trying to comfort Nell because they're absolutely petrified and um, the fact is that these two women were allowed to be like they're not naked but they're like mm-hmm. in in, in nightwear to be so yeah. intimate and, and close and with one that together. Yeah. Mm, for sure. I mean, I think there was there was actually they, they were encouraged at the time to actually censor a lot of that. I think they said yeah. obviously part of the reason I think maybe that scene was dropped was because I didn't think they needed to hammer it home and I think Robert Wise no. recognised the subtlety and obviously the way that it was mm-hmm. told elsewhere. But one of the stipulations by the censor board was like you can't have these two characters touching each other. But yeah. I think the way that it's framed allows it to be interpreted in a way that isn't that, I don't know, it isn't that obvious, but I don't yeah. know, mm. for, as queer people watching it, we recognise these coded characters. And I think this is a step beyond being a coded character for sure. Um, her yeah. constantly saying, like sisters as well, mm-hmm. just absolutely made me howl because I was just like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what you're saying. I mean, the subtlety is obviously like a sign of the times, you know, in the 60s, obviously mm-hmm. I mean, in Britain, they were still illegal to be gay. But even though it has to be subtle, what I like as well is that Theo is not defined by her sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just happens to be a lesbian. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that comes from having to write the character this way because it has to be subtle. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it works incredibly for us, even in, uh, you know, 2022 mm-hmm. because there's no issue with her being lesbian it's not written into the script as part of the problem she's yeah. just a character in this haunted house well, it, yeah it to be a lesbian and then the fact that she was allowed to be feminine she was mm-hmm. allowed to be yes she wasn't, she wasn't she wasn't bogged down by her sexuality she was a confident person mm-hmm. she was feminine and she yeah she she wasn't predatory as yeah, well which 100%, is the main yeah. thing i mean like up until then depictions of queer people in media at that point have either been played for laughs to be the butt of the joke mm-hmm. or had been played to be predatory mm-hmm. um but with this one um she was just she, she was just allowed just like, to exist. Allowed it, it to was just be so, in that space. It was so weird because this is what I expect from a modern film to portray a yeah. lesbian as. For mm-hmm. it to be like, I, I will say it, for it to be like the Flanagan adaptation of Theo. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, that is very much more explicit. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. And what's, what's interesting is each adaptation that's come along has kind of like built on it a little. Mm. In 99, that adaptation, although I don't feel like we get any sort of chemistry between Nell and Theo that way, but Theo has a line where she's like, I've got a husband and a girlfriend. And it's Mm. like, okay. But And then obviously the 2018 Flanagan adaptation, Theo's explicitly a lesbian. Yeah, Um, I mean, her first scene, she's in a nightclub 
and yeah. she spots the woman, and then ten seconds later they're in bed together. Yeah, that's and, her introduction and to the series. To, to, um, can I just go back to you said um, Theo about being feminine? I I didn't yeah. I didn't picked up on that myself, uh, but it's a very interesting because when I was doing some research of like homosexuality in the sixties, and I came across this Christianity Today editorial about what is a homosexual and um, impotent men and frigid women um, and then feminine men and masculine women. Mm -hmm. So people are being told you're a lesbian if you're a masculine woman or if you're a frigid woman. Mm. And then neither of those things are mm -hmm. Theo. She's no. completely feminine. And I think that was, that's clever. And I, mm. I could write a whole essay on Theo's wardrobe. In, um, oh my gosh, I know. In all, in all three adaptations, but um, the 63 version, her introduction where she's just got this like giraffe print <laughs> open. Um, it just looks, she brown looks cow. Phenomenal. Brown cow stunning. You said giraffe, but I got brown cow. Girl, no, that's a giraffe. <laughs> Cows ain't spotted like that. That's a giraffe. I saw it and I was like, oh, brown cow, stunning. <laughs> she, she looks amazing um she, she is what? incredible she's a definitely like you said she's a standout character and i think it is understated i, I think what i respected as well was not only was she bringing this representation of maybe a, a queer woman at the time also she was the one who had this supernatural gift again it was a mm -hmm. completely understated thing it wasn't like she I, I mean i did see one of the trailers earlier and i was actually a bit surprised because i didn't think it fit in with the tone of the film but it did describes her as like a witch woman and yeah, i yeah. thought okay maybe that was kind of they're pulling people in with this mm -hmm. like idea but i never thought watching it that she she was like yeah this this evil presence she wasn't predatory she wasn't no. a victim mm -hmm. by any means she wasn't like an example of this is what happens to you for being gay and or anything like that she she just existed she cared yeah. about characters i think as well what was interesting about the film and how she fit in there is all the characters seem to be chasing something or each other so yeah. eleanor's obviously smitten by the doctor and is gutted when she finds out that he has a wife luke's obviously <laughs> chasing uh, money <laughs> luke's yeah luke <laughs> with the money bags is chasing theo obviously kind of maybe a bit ignorant to the fact that mm -hmm. that's that she is a lesbian and then obviously theo does have some level of connection or or thoughts towards eleanor so i i did find it interesting to see i, I was surprised at how small the cast was I didn't. Yeah. I think because obviously in the adaptations going forward, there's always been more people, um, and obviously in the Flanagan series, they're a huge family. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I was surprised at that, but it was nice to see this kind of this circle of of, found, of, of affection yeah. going on. I, I thought found it was lovely. Something, something really sweet about this cast as well. Uh, obviously, um, I spoke earlier about the the more praising. Um, the director as if he was like god on earth but um <laughs> what was really cute is what really helped with the performances the cast got on so well apart from julie harris julie harris wouldn't speak to anybody and um <laughs> claire claire bloom would constantly go up to her and just be like hi okay and she'd shut her down and stuff so claire bloom decided she had enough and <laughs> after after filming had wrapped she went over and she was like what have i done like have i upset you in any way and um, Julie Harris explained, she was like, I did that on purpose because Nell comes in as this outsider and uh, she doesn't fit in with anyone. We were talking and, about and, yeah. the case. and she was like, that's what I want to do. And she was really apologetic. She was like, I am so sorry if that came across as being rude or anything in any way. And then they struck up a really, really beautiful friendship afterwards. And they Aww. spoke really highly of one another, like throughout the years afterwards as well. So 
I mean, I, I oh. personally, I loved uh, Julie Harris in this. I thought she, uh, like, mm. to say the peaks and valleys that this this character has, uh, and obviously how she's going through this ultimately psychosis towards the end. I mm-hmm. think she did really, really well. And I, yeah. I know you mentioned obviously the voiceovers and things like that. I absolutely loved that internal dialogue. Thought it, it was, was such really an interesting cool approach. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. Especially, yeah, especially like when adapting a book as well. Mm-hmm. That's one yeah. thing. That, as when you write a screenplay, you've got to think right. There's all this like internal bullshit going on here. Mm-hmm. How the hell am I going to portray that? And I think ha- this film handles the internal dialogue really well as well. It doesn't feel like it doesn't fit in or it was thrown in there. Mm. And in fact, once it's blended with the score, the actual stuff that's happening, um, particular moments for me stand out is the bit where she's driving to Hill House. Her little internal mm. dialogue there really works so nicely. I found that to be quite Hitchcockian hitch- as well, with mm. a cycle when she's driving in the car. Yeah, internal sure. monologue. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's just, it's an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous picture, a gorgeous film. Um, mm. and I think, yeah, the, the, where it works is in the subtleties that it has. Yeah. So going from subtle to unsubtle. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> uh, in 1999, this film was readapted. Fun facts about it. Wes Craven was originally supposed to, um, had his hands on this, but then decided he wanted to do Scream instead. So I'm not mad at that. Um, good choice. Not mad. I did read as well that um, Stephen King yeah, went yeah. to the, his hand in writing um, the remake and it didn't pan out. And then it, he went off and did Rose Red. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not, I remember seeing that years ago. Um, I definitely want to revisit that series. Obviously, so, it won't be as good as Hill House, but still. <laughs> fun fact. Steven Spielberg was actually so disgusted by the quality of the finished film that he asked for his name to be removed from the producing credits. I'm not. I'm not. I can understand why. But so, so what get what gets me about this film is there is so much potential with this film, and what got me so this film. I mean, it wasn't a box office flop by any means. It made its money back and then some. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the big, a huge chunk of budget on this film went on building the interior of this house. And that she definitely tell. shows. Which, yeah. so I was, when I was watching it last night, um, yeah. absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. The interior, the exterior, the set design, like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And they make use of it really well as well. Mm-hmm. $13 million was spent on the Jeez. interior of this house, building the interior. And th- you see where the money went. It, mm-hmm. it It's a stunning set. I would have loved... Yeah. It was so big, actually, they had to... Um, it had to be built in, like, an aircraft hangar. I mean, I noticed yeah. there was one scene where uh, Owen Wilson says he's going to close the door to give Nell privacy, and the door is, like, eight <laughs> Owen Wilson's high. Like, it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. insane. It's, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's mental. It's, the be- the biggest strengths of the 99 adaptation are it's set in its wardrobe and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, other than that, and yeah, actually the cast doesn't do a terrible job. I don't think um, no, I think it's good. I mean, Lily Tyler, Lily Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Mm. Um, you know, she she did a very good version of Nell. I thought. I yeah. really think that really helped when she was in The Conjuring as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the 1999 film, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it out there, is another adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. But because of a rights dispute, they couldn't recreate any shots from the 63 film. So everything had to be That's interesting. New. So yeah. Oh, and... That's why they couldn't have the breathing door then. <laughs> no. And what <laughs> that's the... why the fist happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
with what was happening in the original film, the original film is a masterclass in subtle horror. And this film, uh, being a product of the late 90s, early 2000s, was like, we just really need to to just like everything needs to be yeah. scary i mean in the first film and in the book you question whether something supernatural is going on or whether it's you know psychosis this mm. film was like no it's it, it's ghosts it's ghosts <laughs> it's absolutely a ghost it's weird children who look like cherubs it's a weird old man who I it's, couldn't it's st- just like, very odd i mean watch- i will i will say you know how you, we've obviously spoken about the first film or the first adaptation being an exercise in subtlety this mm-hmm. seemed to take that and then go okay let's just do the complete opposite <laughs> in every it really way did. yeah it very this- much reminded me of the mummy which obviously came out at the same time. I think The Mummy's far more successful, yeah. but mm-hmm. it, I don't know this. And it's funny that you mentioned Haunted Mansion as well in the last one. This reminds me of a theme park ride. This this movie because yeah, you just—it's just yeah. absolutely. I was going to say like a ghost train or something like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, just, like, yeah. just was, over the top, cheesy, ridiculous. I think for sure. what what really let this movie down was obviously the, the awful CGI for a start. Mm. Um, towards towards the end of it, it it really goes off rail. I mean, we spoke <laughs> about this giant CGI fist. Um, statues of griffins decide to come alive, and oh yes, oh, nothing, nothing says terrifying like a griffin. <laughs> You know, well, yeah, like like we know. said, obviously, with the original film, you've got just these static statues, which are terrifying mm. in their own right, because the camera will suddenly do like this weird tilt to, to yeah. Brenda's face. But then <laughs> you've, you've got this one where they literally move in front of you and stop. I mean, there's a scene where Lily Taylor literally fights this metal griffin, and yeah. it's just what... <laughs> But then, but, it, I, mean, in I the think series, this is the issue when you give a, a horror film to like an action director. You know, he's done yeah. like speeds. Uh, Twister. Twister's a fantastic film. But, you know, you, you give this horror to... Jan de Bond. And it's no wonder it's not scary. He went no. for yeah. you know, action horror as opposed to any other form of I horror. I will say, of of all three adaptations, it is it is my favourite house in terms of exterior. Um, mm. Absolutely stunning. Uh, gorgeous. Um, really feels overbearing and, and terrifying. The interior... The, there are some, like... Although it's wacky, I mean, interior shots of this weird stepping stones that look like books on a river. Oh, I like that. Uh, yeah, I just don't like the cool. merry-go-round. I, really I like that. I went out of my house. The staircase, yeah. the spiral staircase is now like a, a DNA helix. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's this giant f***ing fireplace that has no right to be this big that you can fit, like, you could fit an army in there. You could lose um, your head yeah. in there. Did you see what I did there? It's a scam. Which, yeah. which, <laughs> but, so there we go. So let's let's get I mean, into I that. I will say, I think you've said this is your favourite house. I'd probably say it's my least favourite. Not because I don't okay. think it's gorgeous to look at, but I, I, th- watching this again today, I really hated the fact that they made it look so scary and so theatrical. Like, whereas I know we spoke obviously about maybe like Scooby-Doo um, on a previous mm. episode. I think it works there because you're looking for like kooky, spooky kind of vibes this i noticed like i don't know it i just didn't like that it was made to look so scary i felt like the original adaptation and then even obviously the interior in the um tv show was just so much better because it was scarier looking out for it in an almost look normal looking space well the, 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 it's yeah. more gothic isn't it the series and the and the 63 film the house is a lot more gothic for sure whereas yeah. in the 99 it's um 
it's, it's I don't know, it's a camp house. I mean, it's, it's literally it's, when Lily Taylor goes camp. into the, um, she goes into her bedroom and she opens the door. There is like a grimacing, like stone gargoyle face right behind her. And I mean, like the fountain that you spoke of, the, the, the weird, <laughs> like naked man. I mean, that wouldn't have been built other than to look absolutely it's, terrifying. It is, it is absolutely, <laughs> as said, there are some choices that are stupid, but also I, I've actually Theo's character explains it the best and says it's ripped straight out of the monsters. Oh, for but sure. Then yeah. That, mm. that also leads into an iconic bit of dialogue. And another favorite thing about this film is Theo's wardrobe again, for me, um, in particular, in she has, she has a pair of Prada boots. Don't ever step on girls shoes. Why not? Because girls wear Prada shoes. You idiot. Which are, they're from Milan, Prada, not New York. I like your boots. You do? Aren't they great? Prada. Milan, not New York, but they're killing me. Hey, small price to pay for such savage kicks. Which she has to specify. <laughs> um, but I, I love, even though it's to me, it's the least gay Theo. Even though she says she's got a girlfriend. But mm. I, 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 well, it's interesting. I mean, I was going to ask you guys what you thought about the fact that um, you know we, we're led to believe that uh, Theo in the sixties is a lesbian, but then Theo in '99 is bisexual. I mean, I will say I, this. If I'm being honest, 99, I can remember watching this kind of around the time it was released. I actually genuinely think this is probably one of my first, um, like, exposures to a gay character in a horror movie or even in a film. Wow. I couldn't, I know, I know, but I didn't mind it. Like, to me, I felt it's read, like, quite nicely. And I can remember at the time thinking, like, oh, okay, like, she's she's with both and it's okay like mm. no one questions it mm. um so I, I personally thought that side of things was great but it's just the, yeah it's a shame the about work, the rest like, yeah so <laughs> well, i was wondering so, if she if we if we're if she's representing bisexuality here or is hollywood copping out um in making a full-blown lesbian yeah that's I re- interesting I, read it as I, I got the latter from this um mm. it, this this film doesn't do subtlety in any way shape or form but it's subtle and, about her sexuality which is interesting because but, uh, she could yeah. have been full-blown theo and maybe but it would have worked I'd, but the thing is though this this script took so much liberty with the source <laughs> material in the film what uh, a f- liberty. Oh, literally yeah insert catherine tate here what a f- I mean, I'm gonna. I just want to talk for a moment about that fucking ending. Like, it stupid, absolutely stupid ending. We get mm. Hugh Crane. Oh, although I, I, I kind of like Hugh Crane coming down the staircase. I will say, uh, have you got a yeah, thing for Hugh Crane? Is that what you're without, saying? Not possibly. <laughs> he likes without, rogues, gentlemen. <laughs> without this 1999 version, we never would have got Scary Movie Two. Yes. This is where my issue lies, though, because I mixed the two. So, you know, when she knocked on the door, I fully expected Ah! a pair of gold testicles on the door. Well, that's the thing. When I first saw Hugh Crane, all I could think of was like, that's old Master Kane. (laughs) Well, that's Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane. (laughs) And I was expecting, like, every moment I was expecting, like, Hanson to come out with his little hand. I was expecting, like... Check the music room. Check the... <laughs> well, I've completely thing. forgotten about all this. I've not seen scary movies films for such a long time, but so, I think I'm going to be watching part two tonight. Such a scary good parody movie of this. One Absolutely. and two are like two of the greatest. I mean, I can't wait to do an episode on 
each one's just each Brenda. One's to a just just yeah. Brenda. <laughs> but uh, what I love about, I think Scary Movie 2 actually makes a better adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House than this. It's scary. I think it's quite scary. It Whereas just has this, some moments for sure. Um, but one bit that one bit that gets parodied that I really liked was we talk about like the one thing I did like about this was the red footprints about the house <laughs> and then the welcome home Eleanor and all that. That was nice. Um, mm. But the ending came out of nowhere where for some reason, Nell is now the ancestor of yeah. Ukraine's. Oh, she, um, she's wearing the same necklace. One, it all makes sense. Which, <laughs> which came, which came out of nowhere. And then at the end, well, I think like, I don't think it so much came out of nowhere because they do reference in 63 version of like Nell coming home. So mm. I think he was trying to like build on that, on that, on that theory more so like the series builds on that because it is actually their family home. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think like, yeah, it's gone from it's the sort of bit Elna being called t- back home. Yeah. Sorry, the bit sorry. where she turns into supernatural Mother Teresa, though. It's just like. <laughs> yeah, oh, when she screaming? I can't remember. I am home or, or something. So, she's I, I, screaming at Hugh Crane. Couldn't tell you. It's just <laughs> when she's like, no! And I'm like, oh, yeah, you really. T- you really told him. <laughs> it's, it's when Owen Wilson's head comes off and like Catherine Zeta Jones is screaming and then Nell just goes, Oh no. <laughs> As his head plops in the fireplace. Oh well, we got we get two Owen Wilson wows in this film as wow. well. We we get two wow. Wow. Um But the the one thing I think the one thing I really did like, I liked the fact that the house was a bit more evil. I didn't mm. like certain bits. So when when the house, it looks like these, the, what they should have kept was there's a scene where these two windows look like eyes. Mm. And it look, it at the beginning, it looks great. You think, oh, that's really creepy. But then CG comes in <laughs> and they make it frown and grimace and <laughs> blink. And you're just like, oh, yeah. Must- I suppose they haven't done that with any of the Amityville remakes. You know, they've gone from the the subtlety of the the eyes to making a grimace. (laughs) Has Amityville in space come out yet? I think I think it might I be. Believe it's out. I think yeah, it's, it's out. not canon. I'm going to watch that tonight. (laughs) Next next episode. Next episode. I mean, it looks yeah. The thing is, there's so many Amityville spin not spin offs, but like non-canon films because obviously Amityville anyone any filmmaker can use use that word. Mm -hmm. But you've got some people who actually think it's part of the. Part of the franchise, and they'll be going to check it out, and uh, sorely disappointed. I presume. <laughs> I don't think we're going to be disappointed with Amity Villains. It's a great though. poster, though. I, got, I love the poster. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Absolutely. One, one thing. So another thing that I think the '99 film does well is again there are some moments uh, where the scores used really well, and apparently, so Wise in the '63 would play these sounds like practically to get the best reaction from the from the actors so when you see Nell and Theo in bed terrified it's because they've never heard these sounds before and they're like oh god um they did the same with this but mm. all of a sudden they were like no let's just let's just f- it up in the next scene where it's just, it's just I don't oh. know it's, it is a shame because I think uh, it's interesting to find out that they couldn't obviously take direct maybe mm-hmm. copies of certain things. Because, I mean, there's a shot that stands out for me completely in the original, you know, where it's looking down on Nell and the oh, camera like sits yes. down. And mm-hmm. even even now, I'd be like curious to know how they did that. I feel like they maybe 
fast forwarded footage or maybe like did it like almost stop motion in some ways um, i don't know there's just like none of that with this to say how beautiful the sets look to say the cast that they have is kind of stellar i mean they're yeah. all names mm-hmm. and i think that was the thing wasn't it i mean did it, it went up against blair witch didn't it this this summer for, oh. for horror films <laughs> so i mean do you remember when it was released and i was reading um about it and um Catherine zeta jones was talking about how <laughs> scared she was being on set Mm-hmm. I presume, obviously, that's just, you know, sound mm. bites to get you excited. <laughs> I was terrified. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, watched, I watched the making of last night on YouTube, and mm. it's hosted uh. it, It's hosted by Catherine Zeta-Jones. And she comes oh, on. When did she, you send that to me? She, I need to watch that. She comes <laughs> on, and she's, like, introducing the film, but it's, like, against, like, there's a glass of red wine it's the <laughs> fire's lit hey, and, and she's, she's been like really sultry and stuff to the camera and i'm like mm. i don't know what they were paying you just to do this but to try and sell the shit out of this shit film but good yeah because i mean she was like peak i'd probably say Catherine zeta jones around this point she wasn't was she yeah mm. she was and she was just about to start in chicago so at yeah. this point i believe she had done she, she done was in and stuff hadn't she yeah and the, an she entrapment was, yeah that. Yeah, I just remember entrapment and, and her ass, basically. Who doesn't? Fantastic. I mean, she, there's 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 a scene in this film. There's a camera shot in this film, and it's one of the first times that we meet Theo, which goes just on the boobs, pans it on the tits. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, oh, they're gonna make it that it's Nell staring. I thought it was supposed to kind of be Nell's point of view. Nah, I, I don't know. I got a vibe, was, but also late, late, yeah. late nineties gratification. But, mm. Yeah. But anyway, I want to put a pin in this one because I I don't want to give it the energy. Um, (laughs) But I do now want to talk about one of Mike Flanagan's masterpieces. And to Mm. say that is the big deal because there is a long list. I didn't realise how much I loved this until I watched it the second time around. The first time around, I thought, oh, this is is really fun. Um, Mm. It's really nice. Second time around, once you you know which beats that you're looking for in emotional moments. Oh, I was devastated. Mm. Like I haven't watched it this week in preparation for this because I'm I've had a busy week and I've I've needed to not be emotional. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you need to it, the emotional was, headspace. This one takes, I think, the biggest liberty with this uh, the source material. As mm. in they change the dynamic. People are related. You've got two yeah. different stories going on. Well, it's the Crane family now. So yeah. it still there, captures so. the soul of the original. Yes, he changes the story yeah. and the characters, but the nuances, the mm-hmm. um, the atmosphere, yeah, just the soul of the original film. Mm-hmm. He managed to capture that. Quite similar to what he does with Doctor Sleep, which we can talk about yeah. later on. Mm. But yeah, the one thing that I have found that I love about Mike Flanagan when he's adapting something he will find a way of making changes to it that one makes sense bring a new dynamic to something i mean mike Flanagan is that much of a genius that he managed to get stephen king to rethink his views on stanley mm. kubrick's shining yeah getting yeah. the two like, worlds to me is that's how insane. incredible like I, yeah. I, it's not a mike Flanagan podcast um but it, but it, it might be, be one day because <laughs> i think i think the work that he does especially in the horror genre is he's reignited a fire in it because this mm-hmm. ad- the haunting of hill house 2018 to actually took the world by storm every i remember everybody talking about it and it was everywhere you had, wasn't it yeah. you had those like clickbaity articles like this is the scariest thing you will ever see mm, and God, i was I like them. I was like, it's not, but it's <clears throat> one of the. I think it's one of the greatest horror TV shows that we've we've had, um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't mean to 
that to be hyperbole. I really do think it's one of the greatest because for sure, not only does it pack in the gothic horror, the emotional beats and everything, but also it just, I feel like it brought something new to the table and it took so many risks. Uh, and in particular, that the Two Storms episode with mm. that continuous mm. oh, it's so just to look at it, it's gorgeous. I think yeah. the what I really found so pleasantly surprising because it had been a good while since I'd revisited '99, The Haunting. I'd obviously not fully watched the original '63 version, um, so revisiting then the series and kind of doing them all in succession. It was just so lovely to see the dialogue, like, and the way that they oh. reinterpreted it. So we still had this kind of Mrs. Dudley monologue, mm. but in th- this time it was Mr. Dudley saying it because he was mm. worried about his wife. Nell delivers the lines at the end saying out there in the dark. And it, it was just all of these moments. And like you said, the spiral staircase was there. Yeah. That the, the hanging was yeah. there. The house being such a character. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I honestly, I can't fault it. I, I think it's, it's pretty much a near perfect kind of TV series was, and what you yeah. do with so it. The TV show is to me the it literally takes something from the three previous entries mm-hmm. beforehand. It takes a lot from the book. A lot of the dialogue is lifted from the book directly. Mm-hmm. Then it takes that what made the sixty three film so groundbreaking and so successful. It took all that, brought it, and then even even ninety nine, it took that we are going to add supernatural elements to it. We are going to make it so something supernatural is obvious that is happening. But Mm. he decided to do it. He was like, but what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to slap you over the face with it. In the way that... (laughs) I think it was coupled with mental health issues, though, and uh, alcohol abuse and and drug Mm -hmm. addiction and all of these things were going on in the background. And, I mean, I I found that approach quite interesting, that this house, it wasn't necessarily that it was so... It was haunted in a way that was like a traditional haunting. Like it, it wasn't necessarily like loud bangs in this series and it wasn't necessarily no. jump scares. It was things in the background or it was the house making you see things that you suddenly snapped out of when it was too late. You, I will say though, you say about jump scares. Now jump scares don't get me because I, <laughs> I can see them coming. Yeah. This, this show has one f***ing jump scare where they're in the car. I don't know. I don't. I'm telling you. I don't. I'm I, trying to tell you. I don't you. need to hear your... Excuses I'm not making excuses. Bullshit. I saw. Ah, shit! <laughs> and I just remember seeing this on we Gogglebox, get... and literally every every group of people on Gogglebox yeah, shut themselves. <laughs> it was I, brilliant. I feel really sorry for my cat. He was sat on my lap when I last watched this. <laughs> even though, oh. even though I knew it was coming, I Poor didn't Silla. know exactly exactly which bit it was. She was sat on my lap. She was on the other side of the room. <laughs> by the time I finished that completely but again that's that's what I really appreciate that he isn't like he's not one of those people who's like oh I'm not going to do jump scares because you know it's like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too above that mm. it's like, I'm going to do it but I'm going to do it in a way that makes sense I'm not going to like slam my hand down on a piano and that's what you get it didn't um, lose the atmosphere i think that's what oh, was hmm. what was good and to maintain that over 10 episodes as well and weave this incredible story i mean again credit to the performers uh involved in this because essentially obviously you've got these two separate timelines going on haven't you but mm-hmm. it, it was one of these examples it kind of reminded me a bit of how much we said we loved yellow jackets um and obviously oh, the casting yeah, yeah, with yeah. that like Gretchen, the, Gretchen. the family like old and young are just spot on. Like, you know immediately who these characters are through and through. Well, I think that the actors are one of the 
best parts about the 2018. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike Flanagan does a Rob Zombie and does cast his wife in anything, but the difference yeah. being... She can act. Kate, Kate Siegel, <laughs> is, she is an incredible, incredible actress. Yeah, The sure. first thing I ever saw in was another Mike Flanagan thing I saw in Hush, mm. um, and I fell in love with that film. Mm. And But she's been in near enough everything he's done since, and he, he does kind of use the same actors and everything he does. That's not to say that he doesn't diversify things and get other people in, but he's got those core performers in it. And they mm. are some of, like, again, Kate Siegel's performance in this as Theo is played brilliantly. The The use of the, her her gifts in this, her supernatural gifts, are so much more apparent and we yeah, know that I they're mean, happening. They, they, weren't, they were pretty much non-existent, weren't they, in the 99 film? Like, I don't think at any point... Oh, yeah, they didn't really... exist at all now. No, and I mean, obviously, I know that we do have that Theo's tuned into stuff in the original, but with this, I absolutely loved the fact that, yeah, it's like through touch... And it's maybe something yeah, she's inherited. Yeah, a fantastic episode. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, which he like obviously finds out the whole thing about uh, one of the yeah. kids she's treating as well, and all of that. Like, um, I can remember that. I just, I don't know. There's so many standout moments of of this show. Well, this is. I was, say, I was saying to Craig last night. I was saying I want a spin-off show that's just Theo's lesbian psychic detective agency. <laughs> uh, I'd watch the absolute <laughs> shit out of that. I, I could get on board but with that, I think. Some interesting stuff then about the 2018 adaptation mm. is obviously we were talking about Mike Flanagan works with a lot of the same people now. Mm. He did he did Doctor Sleep, which mm-hmm. we'll talk mm. about a little bit about in a second. And he got Carl Lumbly in that, who's an incredible actor, especially a voice actor. He was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy with Loretta Devine. She plays Adele Weber. Uh, Loretta Devine is actually one of the original Dream Girls as well. Amazing. That got adapted into a film in 2006, I believe, starring Beyonce uh, in one of the lead roles. <laughs> I and, know where uh, this is going. <laughs> funnily enough, Beyonce was in a successful girl group with the one and only... Kelly Rowland. Freddy! <laughs> it so, took a while, but we got there. This film this film is only six degrees of separation away from Kelly Rowland. I mean, is there a way that you would shoehorn Kelly Rowland into this? Because I, yes. I mean every adaptation we've had of this is very white. So mm. we wouldn't I just feel mm. like it is very white. I think she would have made a great Mrs. Dudley. Oh, a hundred percent. That's where I'd put Absolutely. her. Absolutely. She'd yeah. just be like in the dark and then she'd just like <laughs> <laughs> Sash out of the room. Uh, you were saying how much you love the Dudleys. Um, I love in the series how much of a backstory they're given. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. You know, yeah. especially that episode, you know, where Mr. Dudley's talking about Mrs. Dudley and how the house affects her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously we've got the twist at the end. Uh, you find out that Luke's seeing this little Abigail and oh, she's not oh. a ghost. She's the child of the Dudleys. Yeah. And then what happens after that is heartbreaking. It is. Um, I think it's fantastic that he fleshed out the Dudleys characters. Even though what he did to them is very cool. I, I'm going to go on record and say this, but I quite famously don't like children. No! Every single kid actor in this, I think, knocks it out of the park. Absolutely, uh, young, yes. young, young Luke is incredible. I mean, that kid's gone on to play, been in various things, but now he's like... Yeah, he's in The Conjuring too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, pot- he's potentially going to be... Well, he already plays Billy, who's the um, Scarlet Witch's gay son. <laughs> so, yeah. Ooh, I didn't know that. The child of Theo, McKenna Grace, who's just in absolutely everything <laughs> and has been since she was a little girl and just, yeah. just keeps getting better in everything that I see her in. She's, yeah, for sure. She's one of my, she's like one of my villains. Like I think... if, I, if I had an arch villain, it'd be her. <laughs> McKenna and, Grace. <laughs> and it'd be her. And do you know um, the girl who 
Have you seen Wish Upon? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, Joey King? Joey King, yeah. 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 She's another one. Yeah, I see just, it. Just incredible actresses. In the in the last five to ten years I've seen them everywhere. That's why they're my, yeah. my I mean I've I've got to say, I think my standout kid actress is uh, Violet McGuire as Nell. Oh I mean, my days. She kicks off that whole monologue where she asks obviously if her mum would wake her if she was in a dream where What if I dream that you sent us away into the dark and me that hurt? Really hurt. What if I'm so sad and scared of the dark out there that I put poison in me for years and years until my blood turns into poison and my heart breaks right in half and I can't feel anything happy. I can't stand it anymore and I, I have to die. time on a silver table it's my jaw wired shut would you wake us up from a dream like that I can remember seeing the trailer for that because I, I can remember the marketing for this series was absolutely spot on I can remember there was trailers in the cinema there was posters everywhere mm-hmm. of like the silhouette of the bent neck lady and like everyone wanted to know what was going on uh, with stuff uh, but yeah that whole I, I think mike flanagan is definitely an actor's director like everything mm-hmm. yeah. i've seen him do he manages to weave these absolutely gorgeous monologues into them well he's just a fantastic writer isn't he? it's not just a good director and a good yeah, filmmaker you sure. know i want to go and read a novel of his mm-hmm. um yeah, you know, yeah he's very absolutely. much he's very much stephen king yeah, I think that's why they gel so well. so well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people complained, I think, about Midnight Mass, uh, which he did, saying it was like um, one monologue to another monologue to another monologue. I thought I, it was stunning. I, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, the thing is, the monologues mid- aren't there just for the sake of it. You know, the no, monologues no. give backstories to these characters. You know, mm-hmm. any normal kind of film would just you know visualize that, or not even include a, car- a backstory because in a film you haven't got time to include yeah. such. a many backstories and mm. i think that's what's fantastic about his monologues they're not mm. literally not there just for the sake of it yeah, they're no. there to be written into the script because the character that he's writing about is important to the story of the script yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's that's, a, that's another big strength of flanagan is no character feels like they're throwaway characters i mean no. we've spoken about the the dudley's been a big example of that in adaptations that have come before this they are quite throwaway characters who just appear yeah just to be creepy or whatever. Whereas this, they they are so fleshed out. And, he... and they're part of the story. They're part of the history of Hill House, which is important. Mm-hmm. I messaged you earlier, Liam, and said, I, I, I have no qualms saying this. I was in tears because I just watched the, the last episode again. And it is that bit, you know, where old Mr. Dudley carries Mrs. Dudley in oh. and lets her like pass away. And then she's there with mm. the baby and Abigail comes. Mm. And oh, it just sends me over the edge. It's, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> if, if anyone's listening and yeah, we've kind of spoiled it for you, but if you haven't checked out the Haunting of Hill House. It's available on Netflix. Netflix, you can sponsor us if you want for that shout out. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know definitely. if you've got the money for it, but I call shade. Oh, shade. But, I think um, definitely what's good about these and all these adaptations is is you could have seen one of them, but you've still not seen the, the rest of them because they are no. all different in their approach to it. And I think that's what's yeah. really cool about all of them. But I reckon what will happen now, because obviously things get adapted a million and one times. I feel like if anybody were to do this again, mm. they've got a really big tough act to follow now. Because yeah. we've 
I don't think they should. It would just be ridiculous. If anyone's going to give money behind somebody to adapt this, then they're just wasting money. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So the 2018 TV show, again, it takes a lot of liberties with the book. It isn't completely faithful. But Mm -hmm. what it does do is it gets the characters spot on. Mm. So I feel like whoever wants to adapt this next is going to have a lot of trouble now. We've seen to me the pinnacle of what this could be and then mm. anything that comes after it's just it feels like it's going to fall short and mm. that's I, I mean i might be pleasantly surprised one day and somebody may do it but i i think it is the unique approach there because obviously we got the follow-up after this just to briefly mention the haunting of blind manor which is based off turn of the screw but we also around the similar time we got the film the turning so they mm. were both going off the same source material I, i'm not saying that i think that the second season because i do think the haunting has become kind of an anthology of sorts now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was as impactful as Hill House uh, in Blind Manor. No, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. But then I don't mm. think it's a very good source material. I don't even think mm. Turn the Screw is, is is a great book. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. no. And the Innocence ad- adaptation is 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 very good because it's you know it's very atmospheric, it's very creepy. But people keep adapting this time and time again, and you know it's at the end of the day not very good i don't think <laughs> it's, it's 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 the whole sh- it's the whole shakespeare thing for me like mm. it, the, the more adaptations of things that we get is you can tell the story a million and one times but like people people know it and if it's not if it's not like amazing at 100 of the time with each one then people just don't want to see it like i walked past somewhere the other day and they were like oh there's a new romeo and juliet film out and i was like is the, what what else Why? can you do with it at this point? <laughs> yeah. What else can you do with it? And uh, so, but it's yeah, I'm not going to go into Shakespeare. I mean, I'm, I am excited because obviously we I know in production at the moment they've got the Hall of the House of Usher adaptation and yeah, that has some of the oh, returning right, faces. Yeah. It's got um, obviously Mike Flanagan again at the helm. I know there's been some controversies about certain people being involved and now not involved, but I'm happy to see where it's going with stuff. And I'm Mark Hamill's in it. it. Absolutely, yes. Hmm. I, I um, mean, Luke, Luke Skywalker's in it. It's going to be great. <laughs> Mark Hamill's in it. And also, more importantly, Rahul Cole is coming back. Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord. Oh. What a man. Holy what a man. moly. Oh, God. Yeah. I... Unspeakable things. Unspeakable. <laughs> um, we'd have to censor a lot of this podcast if we went into that. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I think what excites me the most is Edgar Allan Poe. Obviously, his work are incredible. They don't get adapted as much nowadays. Mm. I think one of the best adaptations of a Poe story happened in The Simpsons. I really love their take on the rave. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens. And if there's anybody that I trust with something, Mm. it's Flanagan. I think that's it. Knowing it's in his hands is is The work that he did on Doctor Sleep, the fact is he managed to, I said it before, he managed to convince Stephen King to Mm. look at Kubrick's Shining, which he hated, in a different light because King loves Doctor Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously his adaptation, not only it, it, it's a sequel to the book and the film at the same time, it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. brilliant. If you've got a chance to watch it out there, watch the director's cut. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Stunning. Well, that just shows how like phenomenal he is of a writer. You know, he managed yeah. to take the original book, managed to take the Doctor Sleep book, managed to take the original film, even managed to incorporate some of the elements of the Shining series. Mm-hmm. You know, he put it all into one film. You know, if you've seen all these different versions, if you read all the books and you've seen the different yeah. versions of the Shining, 
then you're watching this and thinking, wow, how has he managed to incorporate all this yet still make it absolutely fantastical? Yes. And that's exactly what he did with the haunting of Hill House as well. So um, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see anything else that he does. I know that he's also got another series in the works at the moment. I've forgotten the title of it. Is it The Midnight Club or something? Yeah, The Midnight Club. And it's about, um, it's set in like an old folks home and they all come together and ghost stories. I'm excited to see what he does. Um, I think the only thing that I'm kind of a little bit gutted about is I know that he was attached to maybe adapt Halloween at one point and I would have loved to have seen Mm. his, his version of that. Um, not that I'm not happy with I'm the, not sure the how that would work I mean Michael Myers can't really do a monologue well I'm sure he'd have made it <laughs> well, work just somehow like, just sounds like a 10 minutes <laughs> you know who could do a monologue though Freddy Krueger could do a monologue Oh, yes, I would like to see Flanagan take on yes, that's Elm a good Street. Call. Or, uh, I know that it's already in production, but his Hellraiser would have been mm. some, if he was to do Hellraiser. Imagine... By the way, I'm very much looking forward to Bruckner's oh, um, Hellraiser. Mm, so much. So much. Um, we've got a lot I'm... to be excited about as horror fans. We I'm, have. I'm, we I'm, are. I'm happy. Um, and we've already, like, this year alone, I mean, we're now in May, and so far we've had... We've had some fun this year. There are some great originals at the moment over on Shudder. I'm trying to make my way through as many as possible, just because I, I give a shout out to Shudder near enough every episode. So they should sponsor it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some great stuff happening over on Shudder. And yes, in the UK, we don't get half as much as we do they do in America, but there is some really cool stuff happening out there. Um, we've had Ty West's X this year, which I've seen a second time now, and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it a lot more the second time than I did the first time. That's I think so. Give it a se- I need to give it a second viewing because, um, you know, expectations are a bitch, basically. They can yeah. completely spoil your viewing pleasure. For and sure. the first time I watched X, I'm I'm still sitting on it. I still don't quite <laughs> know what about the film. I'm, yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> waiting for one of you to chime up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a very well done. But it's just a silly film. It's a silly premise. I think yeah. going um, into it knowing how silly it will it. be. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll appreciate it a lot a lot more. Cause yeah. I think yeah. I was the same as you, Liam. I I didn't leave hating it, but I did leave somewhat well, not well I've, I where think I it, wanted to be. It was it was yeah it was better than the the other film that we went to see together. But um, <laughs> but yeah, and then this year the um, film? <laughs> five, five cream. I, I don't know. I, th- I feel. I think you were f- a fan of Screen Five, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I quite enjoyed it. Again, I mean, on repeat viewing, I think it, it's and, better. You know, yeah. Billy, Billy the Ghost is is. That was my main gripe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, but, that's how you don't know, do that's ghosts. Just, well, that's just one element. I didn't mind that. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a fun film. I had a good time, and that's you know. That's a haunting. Enjoy that's it. Quite yeah. like, that's quite like Billy <laughs> to come and haunt <laughs> me. <laughs> What a man. So I just I just thought it'd be nice now. If we just uh, any final thoughts on this this franchise? Well, it's weird to call it a franchise, but I suppose mm. at this point it. I mean, do do, do we have favourites out of all of the adaptations? Is um, I mean, do you mm. have a favourite, Liam? Yeah. So mine would be Flanagan's twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, that's not to discredit the sixty three film whatsoever because it is gorgeous. But I am such a sucker for that that TV show, and it's like in my list of like top TV shows now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I, yeah, I, I agree. What about you, Craig? Uh, do you have a favourite? Hmm, I'd probably say the 63 version because it's just nostalgic and it's been with me since I was younger, mm. um, followed by Flanagan's uh, adaptation. And if anyone hasn't seen the series, I would definitely suggest watch the 63 version followed by the series in one binge event. Oh, God, yeah. I, yeah. The first time I watched the series, I 
remembered the film and I was like, oh, that's cool. Look, the turning of the knob and the spiral staircase and the camera towards the wallpaper with a little face in, you know, all these little things that they added. But watching it for this podcast, the film first, then the series, I had a mm-hmm. different experience. There were mm-hmm. so many things that I missed mm-hmm. first yeah. time around that I picked up on this time around and it just made the pleasurable experience even more pleasurable. No, I, I, I think, yeah, that's an absolutely killer double feature. I mean, it's a double feature with 10 episodes in one film, but we'll go with it. Um, <laughs> I think I, I've probably got to say I favour the, the TV series, and I think it's only because it, 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 it does have 10 episodes, so you have that period of time to expand on that story and get to mm-hmm. know these characters. And I do find it's such an emotional roller coaster. You care about them, you love them. I can remember when I finished watching it the first time, I, I just wanted more. Like I was actually genuinely upset, mm. like there was no more of this story for me to like consume. Well, that's why I wanted from series, series two. I didn't want Blind Manor. I wanted mm. a continuation of Hill House. There are so many ghosts in that house. For sure. You yeah. don't know anything about know. the main ghosts, William and Polly Hill. You know, yeah. in the films, you know quite a lot about Ukraine and its history. You don't know anything about William and Polly. Where are they monologue? Where are the monologues from all the ghosts in the house? You know, I want to know about the, the guy, uh, all the, ghosts. the uh, the clock guy with the handlebar moustache, because I feel like... Yes, he's obviously a porn star ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I also just want to mention how I enjoy Theo's queerness in the series. Yeah, As I said earlier absolutely. on, the first time we see her, she's two seconds later in bed with a woman. And then it's not even just cut and dry. I've just slept with her some random stranger there's an episode where they have a conversation and there's a, a massive connection where theo spills her heart to this mm-hmm. girl yeah and then i can't remember which episode but there is um an episode where you where theo's younger and it's kind of like a coming out episode yeah yeah, yeah. So you've got all these kind of things that they never mentioned in the original film or the 99 version you know she's 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 out there's no drama the family know about everything mm-hmm. yeah um again you know it's it's just her being a lesbian is yeah. not an issue and and the the scenes where she's having sex is, is very hot even from a gay man i absolutely thought it was extremely hot <laughs> i completely agree and i think as well the her powers are a nice like duality for mm. her sexuality mm. like her coming to yes. terms with her powers and actually being able to touch people and be open with people it's yeah. the same with her actually realizing do you know what i am a queer woman and this is who I am. Uh-huh. I love the the scene at the wedding. The scene at the wedding yeah, absolutely gets absolutely, me. me when too. Uh, when Sh- <laughs> is it Shirley? Well, Shirley, is, yeah. for Shirley uh, Jackson. Um, <laughs> she's, she's like, oh my wait, god, wait, it'll drop in a second. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Absolutely uh, yeah. love that. So now we've come to like a nice natural close to the uh, to the main topic. Let's just go on to our recommendations this month. I'll don't mind kicking us off because I've got two. I've got two books for you this month. The first one is going to be The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. Um Which I, I feel like want to read. if you yeah, um if you are somebody who's not really you've not really read horror before, you've consumed it on TV or or film or whatever. You've not really consumed horror in books. It's a really good first entry into that because it's not too scary. I mean, it has its moments, but it, it really, at the time that it was, it really focuses on more of a human experience. But mm-hmm. it's a really good, like, little tiptoe through um, horror. But my second one, keeping on like a haunted house theme, would be Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. Now, Grady Hendrix has quickly become one of my favourite horror authors. He's got a writing style that blends humour, camp, and horror 
into this one gorgeous little package. Now, Horror Store, if you were to read it, it looks like an Ikea manual. It's amazing. I love that. Um, but also, it's a haunted house film set in an Ikea. Well, it's not Ikea because copyrights, yeah. but it's set in an Ikea. <laughs> Ikea. Like, it's an like, Ikea, not an Ikea. Is, it's like a haunted house book set in an ikea is is absolutely like insane to think of but it works so well it's got really great comedic moments it's generally terrifying so good just like everything that hendrix writes it's always got its tongue firmly stuck in its cheek and it's it's one of those where if you get the physical book itself it it reads like a manual it's so funny that's like so cool as as the chapters go on uh each chapter is named after a piece of furniture that's in the <laughs> it, that's in the ikea book. i mean that's horrifying it, enough to be honest it start but it starts <laughs> off with like it starts off with an instruction manual for like shelves yeah a bookcase and then it's like a torture rack <laughs> <laughs> um and it, it's just it's amazing so that's horror store by grady hendrix yeah if i've spoken about it before i do apologize but it's i don't know I, I don't think care. you have but i think he seems to have like the perfect balance of i don't know taking a subgenre of horror and combine yeah. it with like something in pop so culture we all recognize you, check the out author the rest- that did um, my best friend's exorcism yes yes yeah, yes yeah. cool yeah i read that one enjoyed that yeah um, it's also done We Sold Our Souls which is uh, a rock group who one of them sells a soul to the devil it's done the final girl support group uh, done the Southern Housewives Guide to Slaying Vampires uh, it's just an, an absolutely phenomenal author I think he's on the way to getting him. a lot of his work adapted isn't he I know that the yeah, final well, girl support group's been sold yeah, so that I'm excited so to see this best Best Friends mm. Exorcism has also been sold, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm for that. So, yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see. I, I really hope his career is as big as like King Barker. Mm. Um, Horowitz. I think he's on the way. Like, I mean, there's constantly new material coming from him. So, absolutely deserves. So, yeah, they're my two recommendations this month. Uh, We'll go to Craig and then Liam. We'll finish with you, Liam. Always. I'd say since we're talking about fantastic horror shows, if anyone hasn't seen them, I would direct them into Bates Motel and The Exorcist. If you've seen season one of The Exorcist, absolutely fantastic. Anything with Gina Davis, I'm I'm in. So (laughs) and you know, halfway through the series, they have this amazing connection to the film, which basically brings it into being a sequel. Phenomenal. I'm not gonna yeah, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but the big reveal in that show had my jaw like absolutely yes the the sexy priest and it also has my jaw on the floor (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, yes Bates Motel though is also incredible to give that yeah I thought that was great you know because that was both you know a prequel that ended up being an adaptation by the time they got to season five and yeah they kind of adapted the psycho film and replaced Marilyn Crane um with (laughs) Rihanna yeah, that that was an interesting you know, choice. I think Kelly Rowland would have worked better. And then the twist. <laughs> Did you say Kelly Rowland that as well? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Rihanna plays Marion Crane in season five of Base Motel. I've not yep. seen it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. She comes in has a. I mean, I like Rihanna, the, the twist like, on it. You have to wait, like, you have to wait five seasons before she comes in. Yeah, but um, she's I think great. that was, what was great it's about not it. Exactly the Marion Crane that you remember either. Cause it's yeah. a nice little twist. I'm excited. You knew starting that show, it was ultimately going to try and work its way to the shower scene, and yeah. like it become like the film. And what um, they did with the show, yeah, well. yeah. 
Also, Vera Farmiga, just... Oh my god, I'm in love with her. She's amazing. Who, does she play Mrs. Bates? Yes. yes. Norma. Okay. Yes. I'm <laughs> she's absolutely fantastic. I, I, uh, she's another one of she's those the actresses where I could, I could watch her in anything. She um, is literally incredible. I, in fact, I have sat through stuff that isn't that good just because she's in it, but yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, mm. it's absolutely phenomenal. I will also say uh, Max Therio, if that's how you say his name. Uh, is probably one of the nicest oh, looking the, men the, I have ever blonde, had the pleasure the of seeing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's uh, chef's kiss. He's he's fine. He's fine. But yeah, great recommendations. I think, uh, yeah. well, I'm, I'm happy to, to take the torch then and, and wrap things Ooh. up. I've got a couple of, there you go, Liam. See, Liam's just found out who I'm talking about. Just, yeah, but I, I know who he is. He's, <laughs> he's, been, in, he's been in things. <laughs> You wish he'd been in things. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to wrap things up. I've got a couple of recommendations and they are both TV shows as well. So I'll keep the horror theme and then I'll go it off off kilter at the end. But the new season of Inside Number 9 has just started again on BBC Ooh, One. Oh, I need to catch up on that. Or I'm BBC on like, two now, three. Yes. Well, you, you've got so many episodes to catch up on. Yeah. It's great. Again, if no one's watched it, it, it's just a phenomenal show. Anthology style in nature. Every episode is is different. I mean, like now, for example, you could just watch the couple of episodes that are out in season five and be fine. Mm. I think it's Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton, uh, the mm-hmm. two guys really running the show. Um, and, and Reese Shearsmith, such a little horror nerd as well. I love him. <laughs> kind of have a bit of a weird crush on oh, him. I'm not. It's not lie. weird at all. He is so sexy. <laughs> I don't know what it is because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like you know when something clicks and you're like, I don't know why it's yeah. clicked, but I'm aroused. Even, even as. <laughs> Even as the old man in League of Gentlemen, I'd let him <laughs> you're my up. wife now, Dave. Um, yeah, no, it's um, yeah, amazing, amazing show. Um, I love that because it's not necessarily horror, but it's like dark, dark humor yeah, sometimes yeah. with a horrific twist. The other thing I think, which we've all checked out as well, and I think it would be important for us to talk about on the podcast, would be Heartstopper on Netflix. That would be another uh, great thing I'd, such, I'd recommend. Such joyful, such joyful watching and realistic in today's terms but it's not mm. really far as it's for 10 think, 11 12 year olds and it's just so sweet so sweet i, I, do agree. I, um, I, I think it's idealistic it but it's as somebody oh, it made my heart so warm as somebody who <laughs> works with queer kids for a living getting to see their reaction to it has made the show even better for me i mean i enjoyed the show watching it but knowing how much it means to to the youth of today especially showing the normality of being queer um, mm-hmm. showing that not all of our stories have to end or be tragic. Not everything that we do is completely surrounded by hate. I mean, yes, the, the reality is there's still a lot of hate out there, but I feel like stories that don't have to show that, to show that, you know, queer joy is just as important as queer tragedy is. That's mm-hmm. why I really 100%. appreciate this. And um, I just want to shout out to the young actors in that as well, who have done a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what what got me about this this show was just the fact that I mean, and similar, obviously, going back to our themes of talking about the character of Theo in all of these adaptations, these characters were just queer and just existed, and mm-hmm. it dealt obviously with a lot of issues. It was perfectly family friendly, so I think it it's the perfect space for a lot of families to be having these really important conversations. I think as well, I I really really identified a lot with it. I mean, I, I actually, you know, the scenes like where um, 
Nick's talking to his mum about him being bi and uh, even down to the point of him watching Pirates of the Caribbean and kind of going, Kira Knight is nice, but also Orlando Bloom's kind of nice. I can remember <laughs> seeing that film. I got the postcards from that movie in 2003 and they were up on my wall. And I can remember looking at both of these pictures of these two and being like, why do I like both of these? Like, mm-hmm. what's wrong with me? Um, and for her to turn around and like say, it's okay, you can like girls as well. Or like, you don't have to say you like mm-hmm. girls, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it was such an important man. note. I mean, yeah, just Queen. Uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't talk about it enough. I thought it was it, it was amazing. Yeah, I'd really was... like to read the graphic novels now. So I'm a huge comic book nerd. Not my cup of tea when it comes to comics because I'm a superhero boy. <laughs> I've read them. They're really nice. And they are really, like, easy to read. So if anybody does struggle reading comics... Um, mm-hmm. or graphic novels or anything of that medium. They are really easy to read and that comes from, it's got really nice simplistic drawings, really cute and the language isn't too too heavy or too wordy. But you can you can actually buy a novella that Alice... Oseman? Oseman, yeah. A, I was going to say Ozzyman then, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, she's also drafted a short novella that kind of like tells the story, but you can read it rather than having to... Mm, interesting. So that's, yeah, you can consume it that way if you, if you are reading it in a prose mm-hmm. medium instead. But yeah, that's a great recommendation. Uh, um, especially, I just I just feel like it's an important thing for people to watch, whether you're queer or not as well. Um, that's I it. Think- I mean, yeah, for whether or not it's people maybe understanding friends or family that they have that are maybe mm-hmm. uh, queer or... I don't know. Just educate yourself. This is so, so. I have I have this philosophy in life, and I'm sorry to get in on this, but do you know when people are like, oh, I don't know, don't know why I need to learn about that. It's like do you know when like cis cis straight men are like, why should I have to learn about periods? I'm like, well, what if one day you happen to be a single parent and you have mm. a child who menstruates and you they've got no one else to turn to but you, and then you can't give them those answers. So it's the same with this. Like, what if one day you happen to have, you happen to be that person mm. that somebody is comfortable enough to come up to you and come out to you and tell you their truth and you don't know what to say, what to do. That's what, mm. I'm not going to go on. It's not going to get well ranty. Said. Well said. <laughs> no, no, I completely, I completely agree. I mean, I think it ties in with the whole theme of this episode. I mean, the representation of people in any type of media is important. It has been for decades. So it's nice to see it carrying on. And also I hope there's a season two. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've heard there's going to be, or there's mm. rumblings of, cause it's just, it's had hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, it, there's going to be a follow up. For sure. For sure. They'd be silly not to. Well, speaking of follow ups, I just want to <laughs> read something out of I don't know why you're laughing. I thought that was quite tame for me. Um, <laughs> I think that's why I was laughing. I was expecting pure filth and you gave me that. So. Um, <laughs> but speaking of follow-ups, last month I read quite a detailed hookup horror story. <sighs> Before we get into this month, I just want to read a message out. So it was actually my friend Danny who submitted the story and they don't mind now. They've told me that I can say who they are and I'll, <laughs> I'll give them a shout out so you can follow them. Um, but they've sent said some really nice words and I thought it would just be nice to read them out. It's like, you and Liam are amazing hosts and it always feels like I'm sat with friends having a conversation and having running jokes. Please keep up the amazing work. I'm currently cackling trying to do leg presses. <laughs> I mean, happy to help. Happy to help. Just really nice. Um, and um, just because Danny has been so nice, I'll, I'll give him a shout out so you can find them on social media because Danny's actually an amazing photographer. Uh, so if you want to find them, find them on Instagram. It's at that Danny Wright, and Wright is spelt with a W. So that's 
that Danny with two N's and Wright with a W. And Danny's an amazing photographer. In fact, I was a hand model for them. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, okay, I think no. this is the story we need to. No, no, we, we, do, we were just we, we were in Manchester and we were having food on a field somewhere, and he just took a photo of my hand, and it was really pretty because I have nice hands. It's um, still not making sense. <laughs> they're a photo- They just they just took a photo of my hand, and it was nice. <laughs> okay. Um, I believe but yeah, you. but what that does lead us into is this month we have a, another fantastic hookup horror story. But we have also got a nice little message before it. This person does want to remain anonymous, but they just want, they preface this to say, I just want to say thank you to you and Liam for being funny as f- and giving me a laugh every week. Anyway, here's a hookup horror story that you're going to love. So dim the lights, get comfy. Here we go. Strap, <laughs> strap yourselves in for this one. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm in a new city for the weekend for my friend's birthday, and we're all up for going on a night out. Two of my friends went a bit too hard at pre-drinks, so we decided to stay in. That's all nice and good, but I'm fuming because I was really looking forward to go to the gay bar, as there isn't anything like that in a small shitty place that I live in. So I do the usual thing, and I get on Grindr. Things are looking bleak, but then I get a notification from a cute little goth lad who tells me that his oral skills should be the real tourist attraction that I check out. Well, with an offer like that, I can hardly say no, so we agree to meet nearby and then go back to his place. Now, we get to his house and it is massive. It's absolutely huge. Like he has some serious money, and his grinder profile says he's like 25, so I'm getting insanely jealous. Anyway, he takes me into the boudoir and he pours me a glass of wine and we sit and chat for a bit and he explains how he comes from a rich family, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking I need to be on my best form tonight so I can secure the bag and get some of that family money. Anyway, we start getting it on and it is amazing. Forget four play, this is like 40,000 play. Anyway, he makes his way down on me, but before he actually does anything, he looks at me and he smiles these pearly white teeth and I'm, you know, just ready for whatever comes next. Anyway, for some reason, he's taking his time uh, before actually doing anything, so I'm starting to get worried in case things aren't as fresh down there as they should be. But then I feel his mouth around my unmentionables, and he makes a start. Now, I'm no stranger to oral sex, but this doesn't feel like any blowjob I've ever had in my life. There's a weird sensation that I can't quite figure out. Like, his mouth is ridiculously soft, and I know that sounds weird, but that's the only way I can describe it, really. Anyway, he carries on until things come to a natural close, and I'm there panting, eyes rolling, etc., etc. He says something to me that I can't quite understand, and I think, oh, he's a spitter, and he's just talking with a mouthful. But then he comes up and tries to kiss me, and I say, oh, don't you want to spit that out first? He looks at me dead in the eyes and says, spit what out? He didn't have anything in his mouth, like nothing. Literally, he had no teeth. (laughs) He reaches over, in between my legs, picks his false teeth up, winks at me as he puts them back in. But then, they fall out onto my lap. I audibly scream, and he takes offence at this. After a quick thank you and goodbye, I leave. He messages me on Grinder straight away saying that I'm very rude and that I need to grow up. I'm stunned. Actually stunned. I just got a gum job and attacked by some false teeth and he expects me not to react. 
So yeah, that's, that's my story, my story. And, that's and that's the reason why I'm tempted, tempted to ask any further hookups for dental, dental records before anything <laughs> happens from now on. <laughs> oh my god, poor oh. guy. It just makes me sad. Like, what 25-year-old has to have? Yeah, this is what I mean. I feel like there's more there going on. I know, I, I, I want mm. a sequel. But, I mean... <laughs> but I think it reminds me of a friend of mine who um, did a hookup at Grindr, um, and the person turned up to his door smiled he realized he didn't have any teeth and he's like ah oh, well you're here now come on in and enjoy I mean, yourself i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be opposed to no teeth but i feel like i would draw the line at them falling on me um <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah i think that I'd, I'd be gone with that i mean like so you'd go with that, the things we've heard and you'd go if someone's teeth fell out but i don't know you'd get into someone's house that's got plastic wrap everywhere and yeah. you're fine with it no, yeah, plastic wrap. that's just practical right that's just practicality <laughs> plastic wrap i can walk in and i'm fine but not a murder scene if i'm sitting there naked and i've just i don't know shot my load into someone's but mouth clearly it and, worked then, that's I've what got, you're, you're missing it works i've got a slobbery false teeth falling onto my genitals afterwards that's mm. gross oh i feel it's sorry for him. yeah i mean, I, mean sh- I think he should have said like before i feel like the case. i feel like the bit where he looks up and smiles he should have gone ah, and taken <laughs> him out just just you know but it's the the thing that got me the way that this person spelt out what he said just without his full tune is like Spit what out. <laughs> it was spelt phonetically. <laughs> it was spelt phonetically. And I really um thank you so much for sending that in. Um, thank you. Thank you so much every week to anyone who sends that in. Um I really do appreciate it. Please keep sending them in. You can send them on our social media, you can email them, you can find me on social media and just put them in my DMs so um Liam doesn't have to read them. <laughs> Um, I kind of like the surprise. I like that you have to field them, um, and oh, then you I surprise me with there's, them. But luckily enough, there's a couple. There's a couple sitting in my uh, in my inbox that haven't been mentioned yet, and I can't wait to I can't wait to read some of them. I, I can't wait to, to to hear them. To to be quite honest, um, but yeah, by all by all means, please uh, check us out on on social media or on Instagram, Twitter. Like Liam said, you can email us as well if you've got um, one of your hookup horror stories you want uh, reading out. Also, a new thing that we're running uh, online is we are putting together playlists now as well for each of our episodes. So, if you want to kind of stay in the mood, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to today, but you maybe want some six. 60s goodness uh, to go with the rest of your month and then check out the playlist that we'll be putting up on spotify as well this month they are so much fun to make i swear to god you've I done have... an amazing job like i've literally been rocking out to these playlists uh, mm. uh for, for the so last however many days what what you've got for this month as liam mentioned is you've got a lot of 60s soul and pop um there's some dusty springfield in there to keep it all gay um, yeah me at dusty yeah. to be honest yeah i saw dusty was like top of the list i was like yeah we're fine well, i couldn't i couldn't do the haunting without having a queer woman in the 60s on my playlist so there she was now but, um yeah um i've had an absolute blast this episode so thank you both thank you for joining us craig we really really appreciate it no problems um, yeah, thank you for you. popping my podcast cherry boys you're very well. I mean, happy to ha- happy to help. Uh, we definitely need to get you back, like I said, at some point yes, because uh, it's it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Plus, I know, like you said, your your kind of uh, slice of horror is definitely more the '80s side of things. Um, and I, I don't know, it'd be fun to to chat about that with you. Um, Absolutely. But- 
to, to wrap things up, uh, if people want to obviously find out a bit more about what you're doing, um, a bit more about you, if they want to see the pictures that we've mentioned at the start of the podcast, <laughs> where can people find you, Craig? My handle is at FisherFilms82, and that covers Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Sweet. Ooh, Letterboxd. That's how you say it, Letterboxd. I've never yeah. said that loud before, so I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah. Just going to read some of my reviews. It's basically all the reviews I have on Instagram, but just on that app instead yeah you guys should definitely check it out highly recommend five out of five stars (laughs) i highly recommend uh craig's instagram out um yeah fantastic um a really nice visual medium to to get my day started (laughs) so this has been an absolutely amazing episode uh we haven't done anything spooky or like a classic horror so it's been really fun doing that um sure Yeah, you've both been amazing. Thank you so much, Craig, for coming on. You've been amazing. It's been nice to have some eye candy to look at. That's not to say you aren't any, Liam, but... um, I'll just just leave. (laughs) (laughs) That all being said, just before you do sign us off, and I was going to say finish us off then, that would have been a slip of the tongue. Um, (laughs) Just a reminder that you have some special episodes coming up. Um, We have a special Stranger Things recap episode that will be dropping on the 25th of May. Um, So that will only give you a couple of days to get ready for that and make sure you listen to us. Uh, In June, you are being treated with three special Pride episodes. Uh, The first of that being the Blair Witch Project, which is my choice. The next being Vamp, starring Grace Jones, with a very special guest announcement with that, so keep your eyes. Extremely special guest announcement. And we'll be finishing off the month of June with the camp classic Death Becomes Her, which is Liam's choice for that My choice. My choice. You're all welcome. Um, But yeah, we've got tons of of episodes on the way for you. It's going to be a busy one. So if you like us, you've stuck with us. (laughs) You're very welcome. Um, So yeah, that being said, if you do want to finish me off, Craig. Oh, sorry. If you do want to (laughs) sign us off, Craig, that would be fantastic. Thank you. My pleasure. Until next time, remember the closets were not made for people. They were made for monsters and babysitter killers. Hey, great. Now game one. <laughs> <laughs>